Welcome to the 52 Love Podcast, your show for 52 love lessons in 52 weeks. Before we dive in, remember you can find the video version of this episode on YouTube along with the rest of the series. And now here's your host, Ms. Tanya Todd. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the 52 Love Podcast. I'm your host, Tanya Todd. 52 Love began as a blog series last year, 52 Love Lessons in 52 Weeks. This year, we are exploring each of those tips with a new guest each week. And this week's tip is to paint with your partner. Here to talk about it is my guest, Stephanie Story. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Oh, Tanya, thank you so much for having me. I could not be more delighted to join you here today. Um, I am an art historical novelist primarily. So I write novels about art history. And, uh, but I've also been a television producer for about 20 years. So I still do a lot of that. And I do a lot of other storytelling for cultural outlets a lot to help them tell the stories that they are trying to tell to the world. What do you mean by that? Um, I chime in on uh, on independent films to help them okay. tell the story that they were trying to tell the story to the media. I was a member of the media for almost 20 years as a television producer. Okay. So, makes- so I help them tell their stories. I don't really think of myself as a publicist because I am primarily just helping outlets craft the stories that they're trying to tell to uh, to the media and to the public when they're trying to tell the story about their art or their film or their television show or whatever it is they're trying to do. That's how I pop in more as a consultant at this point in my career than having to uh, come in and actually get on the ground and produce the stuff anymore. So how did you make the transition from being a producer to being a novelist? Oh, over years and years. I, I, I primarily produced five nights a week of television uh, for almost 20 years. So that was churn, 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 go, go, go. But mm-hmm. on nights and on weekends, I was always writing my own fiction. Uh, that's all I wanted to do since I was about seven years old was be a novelist. So every chance I got, I wrote on my own work and created my own stuff. And so I have about seven novels, I would say, in filing cabinets that will never see the light of day. <laughs> for a good reason. They should not. And uh, then I finally uh, wrote one that I felt was good enough to present to the publishing world. Got an agent, got a publisher, and it came out when I was 41 years old. So that was Oil and Marble, my debut novel. So the transition was made just because I didn't stop. I refused to stop writing. Mm-hmm. I, don't know. I mean, that's the key to success for anything, isn't it? You just keep going. I guess it just people just I, I, I never wrote anything that was very good. And then finally, I felt like I did. And so it was time to go be a novelist in addition to still doing other things. But it was time to go be a novelist. So tell us about being an art historical novelist, because that's a very particular niche. It is. But it turns out there's a great fan base out there worldwide for art historical (laughs) novels, uh, which is great. I'm, I'm very pleased about that. So when I was in college, I was a fine I was a fine arts major at Vanderbilt University, which is my alma mater. And a, fi- a fine arts degree meant that I was both a studio artist and an art historian. So you had to pick a studio art. So getting to today's thing, which I know we'll talk about in a little bit, um, I was a painter back in college. 
So I was both a painter and an art historian. So I fell in love with this concept of art history as being this portal back to get to teach you about a certain period of time in history. And you would get to learn all of this different information and you would be able to use these pictures to learn about the people and the culture at the time. And I just fell in love with it as a form of storytelling too. You know, I was used to writing novels or books where you took all of these words to, to get your story across. And a painter uses a single image, a single image to tell an entire story that's, yeah. that's told to people who oftentimes were illiterate, you know, 500 years ago. They couldn't read. Their only access to that story was through visual imagery. And so that's what those artists did. So I became just obsessed with it. And so I went to um, Italy to study uh, Italy and art. In, at the University of Pisa for a semester, which is anybody who's been there, it's about 45 minutes, an hour away from Florence. So a uh, train ride from Florence. So I would go to Florence and that's when I first met and fell in love with a guy by the name of Michelangelo. So, <laughs> Wonderful name. I David. <laughs> now I, I saw the David and I saw the Sistine ceiling down in Rome and I saw the Pietà and I saw all of his work and I became obsessed with him. And I went on pilgrimage to go see every single piece of work he's ever created all over the world, everything that's ever been on pu put on public display. And so he lived in the back of my head forever. So as I started getting better and better in my writing abilities, I started leaning toward writing historical fiction. So taking the real story from history and, mm -hmm. then, and then fictionalizing it to an extent, making up the dialogue, making up some of the interactions that we can't know, things that happened 500 years ago. So I tell fictional stories about great artists based on real facts. It started with an obsession with Michelangelo. My third book will no longer be Italian Renaissance. So I'm moving slowly away from him, but I'll be back. I'm not quite <laughs> You'll be back. about him, but I'll be back. What's your third book? I'm not talking about that yet. I'm still writing it, man. Oh, okay. We, well, we, won't, put it, we won't put it out there yet. Like, it's, be, still, it's still happening. You know how it is. You're a writer. Yeah. You, know, <laughs> you can't just share that stuff. When it's <laughs> well, I didn't know how far along you were in the process. I, I, other people might consider me fairly late in the process. Let's put it this way. I don't tell anybody what my book's about until I have the publishing date. Oh, wow. So quite late. I mean, my editor finds out when she receives the manuscript, the completed manuscript. That's when my editor at the publishing finds out about. Oh, well. Well, tell us about your second book then. Uh, my second book was Raphael, Painter in Rome. It's right here for people who are watching visually. It's gorgeous. Yes. The cover designer did a fantastic job. Um, Both of your covers are amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, the 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 cover, I had nothing to do with that, but I like to take credit and hold it up next to me. As well, you inspired the work of art for your work of art, right? <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah. Okay. So the second one, so the first novel was about the rivalry between Michelangelo and Leonardo da Vinci. Sorry, I dropped that book. Um, <laughs> uh, um, the first book was about the rivalry between Michelangelo and Leonardo da Vinci. The second book is about the rivalry between Michelangelo and Raphael, who was a young, very handsome, very charming painter uh, who the world beloved. I mean, everybody loved him. And he and Michelangelo were going head to head in the halls of the Vatican. While Michelangelo was painting the Sistine ceiling, 
Raphael is just down the hall putting his own masterpieces on the Pope's private apartments, on the walls of the Pope's private apartments. And they, uh, they sort of have it out to figure out which one of them is indeed the better painter. And it's told in first person through the eyes of Raphael. Uh, so oh. it's him getting to tell you his own version of events. Hey, Michelangelo is not always the hero of this story. Thank you very much. I get was to- that a challenge for you? It was awful. It was terrifying. <laughs> I didn't, I, I was terrified of writing in first person because you know, first person is difficult. It is. It's, um, it, it it's hard to do well. It's really easy to do poorly. Um, it's very difficult to do well and to have a voice come across and to have a human sort of emerge through his own telling is very difficult to do. So it was daunting. Uh, but I loved the process. I ended up falling madly in love with the process of it. I, I it, it will be a while before I write another first person because it is so difficult to do. But I, I really ended up enjoying it and really ended up. Um, I never do it by choice. It's only if the character is insisting that this has to be told in first person. It's like, I will relent to that. But it's never like, let me sit down and write a first person story. No. <laughs> No, because it's awful. It's terrifying. This was the same way. This was supposed to be Michelangelo's Up the Sistine book. and But the more I worked on those drafts, because I wrote drafts and drafts and drafts of this book before of Raphael course. just was like, seriously, can I have it? It's my story. Can you please? Hello. <laughs> Step <It's>, aside. <laughs> have this one? And I was like, fine. And then I relented. Well, I was really asking if it was a challenge for you to take it from the point of view of not Michelangelo as the protagonist, because you are so in love with him. Yes and no. It was also so much fun to see him only someone else's eyes. eyes of a rival. Like, I did that in Orland Marble a little, where you bounce back to Leonardo's point of view and you get to mm-hmm. see Michelangelo a little bit. But the first person point of view, where you only get Raphael's view of him, is fascinating to me and and so it it gave me different insight i had a hard time letting go of the perspective of seeing michelangelo paint the sistine ceiling Mm. i wanted to do that i wanted to experience that but it had already been done so many times by so many other artists and so many other people have told that story over and over again so this was an opportunity to tell it from a different point of view and so i feel like i got to know him in a weird way better because I got to see him through an outside point of view if that makes Mm -hmm. any sense you got another perspective on it where you weren't just looking at the same lens that you already had Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so this is a true sequel to the first book right well yes and no right so Raphael shows up at the end of Oil and Marble that is not a spoiler alert he just sort of waltzes on stage at the end of Oil and Marble um because that is when he arrives in Florence I did not intend on this one being the Raphael book. It's not really a sequel because they're two completely different tellings, right? The first Mm -hmm. one is third person bouncing back and forth between Michelangelo and Leonardo. And this one is Raphael first person. So it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not really a sequel. And yet, yes, it's a continuation of the Michelangelo story. It's the next period of Michelangelo's life. Um, The production company that is making Oil and Marble as a movie, has also bought the rights to Raphael, so I guess they see it as. Oh a wow! Sequel. Congratulations. I don't. I don't know. So I, it, these things are not really up. To, they don't feel like a sequel to me, but I think 
outside, yes, people will see it as a sequel. Well, that's why I asked, because I thought that they were separate entities for the most part, but the way you were talking about it, if they felt more connected. I think that's just because I get obsessed with the Michelangelo narrative. You know, it's like, oh, <laughs> here's Michelangelo versus Leonardo. And but then it's the, the same next- universe. It is the same universe. So in a sense, it is a sequel to the, the series or the serial. Mm-hmm. It is. And it is the next period in Michelangelo's life, the directly next period in Michelangelo's life. And then the period right after, and then I will eventually get back to other periods of Michelangelo's life. So I guess it would be a series and not a serial because you are changing perspectives. Yes, I think I, I think that's the difference. I think you're right. I think oh. it is. A, I think it's <laughs> you've solved. I didn't know it was going to be that kind of show, right? <laughs> so tell us how this relates to the tip that we did for you this week, because we did talk about a different, a few different tips, and we settled on this one because of your connection with the material. So well, we settled on this. Was you're sending me other things? I was like, but painting. I was a painter. My husband, who is a who is a comedian, like a, a comedy writer and an actor, he's also an abstract photographer. So he does not use Photoshop to do what he does. He actually changes like the amount of time that the that the lens is open, that the that the That's camera is open, and he shoots pictures of lights at night, and he makes sort of light paintings out of them. He's done this for years. Your life is full of art. It is, which is a glorious thing. Like, I can't complain about that. My husband makes his own art. Right. So many different arts because your your books are art, too. Yeah, I guess. People keep saying that. You guess. That's a hard thing to do. Did you read your blurbs? I I, No, I have to ignore (laughs) them. I can't. They're they're too. They make me blush and turn colors and all (laughs) Uh, so when you send me this, so I, I was a painter in college. My husband was an abstract photographer and he got obsessed with, do you remember on Instagram, there was that poured paint, um, phenomenon that people went through. So you would take acrylic paint and you would fill up cups with acrylic paint and then you would pour them onto a canvas and then you would move the canvas around. No, I did not see that. But your Instagram game is much stronger than mine. <laughs> uh, mine is not great, but my husband found it and became obsessed with it. So he started pouring paint. So when you wrote this, I was like, well, I was a painter. He now does these like poured paint things. We can do it together. Yes. And this would be great. So this is why there is this connection. Because one, I'm obsessed with all things art. Um, two, I was a painter. Three, my husband's an artist. So we might as well combine it all and see if 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 we could make something together. Yeah. So, so how did it go? Okay, so so we decided to go with the poured paint. Okay. He likes it. So so what that means is you take like different colors of paint and you pour it into these cups, right? And then we got a huge canvas. So he was always working on smaller canvases that he could do for himself. Okay. We thought, well, there's two of us. Right. <laughs> we can actually handle. We need more room to play. <laughs> right. We can actually handle dumping more cups on top of it. And we can, and you have to move the, so after you dump, so you put all this paint in, into different cups and you layer the paint in those cups. So you could pick blue and then pink 
and then yellow in the same cup. And then you okay. might have five cups spread around the canvas. And then all at once, you dump those cups as fast as you can and tip them over onto the canvas. And then you slowly raise each of those cups and all of this paint pours out onto the canvas. And then you move the canvas around to get like the shape and the color and the swirls that you want. Mm-hmm. And then you have to stop right wh- And then you got to clean it all up. It's like this mad dash of painting, uh, which seems like number one, like a great idea. And then you realize you're in the middle of it and you're sort the great thing about it for like, like the relationship was we had to communicate so quickly because it was like one, two, three tip. And then it was, yeah. move, move, no, go this way. We need to cover up this corner. <laughs> it became an adventure too. <laughs> did. And we were, like you said in your tip, we were messy I mean, we definitely had to wear clothes that we did not care if they had paint all over them or not. We had to put down a tarp because it was a big enough, <laughs> not because of, you know, physical reasons, but because of it would have gotten all over the place with it, like coming off the end. But the great part was we were laughing the whole time, right? It's funny we- that you mentioned the tarp because I know what paragraph that is and I know why you said it like that. <laughs> and if you don't, you need to go to the blog and read the tip. Right, you do, to, to, to get a little, you know, frisky. Um, but so, so ours, the paint was like coming off the ends and it was getting all over the place. But then the other thing was, is then we were looking at it, we were going, but wait, now isn't the tarp a piece of art too? Because now it has all yeah. this painting that's come off the ends and now it's on the tarp and now the tarp becomes an extra piece, an extra painting and so then I have to admit, we did it more than once. Like we got more than one canvas and we kept doing it. And then we felt like the bottom thing became a piece of art too. Um, that's, that's really cool. It inspired multiple tries. <laughs> well, it did because we were going, oh, wait, but now I want to try these colors. Yeah. Now let's try one that looks like more earthy. Experiment with this and let's try this. Let's let Let's sort of stretch our brains. Now we have always... We've always worked well together anyway. There's a metaphor in there. (laughs) Right? Experimenting, finding new things, working together. It's all of that. We've always worked really well together. When we we met, we were writing movies and sitcoms together. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we've always sort of created stuff together. But this was fun because there was no um, expectation on it. Mm-hmm. that it needed to be something that we could go out and sell or make or yeah. anybody else. This wasn't it was just for, for the any, two of you. wasn't for anybody else. It was just for us. And so that was so much fun because it was so freeing and because we could laugh. And because when he moved to the canvas, it was like, oh, that was a disaster. It didn't matter. <laughs> you know, or when I right. did it, it was like, oh, that was, oh, that canvas is dreadful. Don't ever, sh- not that we're going to show any of them to anybody, but that, that, that element of it was really freeing and fun. Um, yeah, I, I highly recommend, I highly recommend it. Now we are already people, but I would think it would be fun for anybody. Now, one of the things that was helpful as far as the tip goes is that we did not pick something where we felt self-conscious over how we were drawing. Yeah. Cause you, you were just saying you're already people, but you didn't choose something that was skill-based. Right. 
and that helped for the relationship part of for the for just the joy of doing something together mm-hmm. there was no oh that didn't work or oh there was no comp- competition mm-hmm. not that there usually is between my husband and I but you never know you know right it happens <laughs> There wasn't that element to it at all. It was just. Or a critical eye because no one's going, "Uh, you might want to fix those hands, you know? Right. That was, it was just color. It was just color movement and, and trying to get a corner all covered with paint so that the corner wasn't white. And that was the only part, like. And and choosing which colors to put in the cups together. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, let's make this one sort of green, but with a little yeah. blue. Um, so that was really fun about it, that it didn't, there wasn't pressure. And that that's a really it, good tip to add to it. Like, that's a good aspect to add that don't go for something that requires a lot of skill because you just want to have fun with it. And the end result is you enjoying time together and creating something together, not well, could you sell this piece of work? You know, it's not about that. No. And if it, if it had been, if it even had a hint of that, I think it would have gotten, you would have gotten stressed, right? Right. Because you had, because the version we picked, I will admit it's not the cheapest thing because you need a lot of paint, right? Because so we, I mean, <laughs> cheap bottles of paint. We didn't, you know, buy expensive paint, but we got cheap bottles of acrylic paint that run really fast, but you could use up eight bottles on a canvas. <laughs> it was a lot of paint um so if if we had been stressed out that we were trying to do something with it then it might have gotten stressful but instead it was just pure play like it felt like almost like two kids doing like finger painting when you were kids Mm -hmm. it was that messy it was that ridiculous (laughs) it was that and possibly that fun right (laughs) It was absolutely fun. And, and, and we felt we had, we had the best time. We were laughing the whole time. And we once again felt like, oh, look, we've done this thing together. It was yet another sort of bonding experience. We tend to do that about artistic kinds of things. And this was mm-hmm. another thing we've done together. We've now painted together. That's not something everybody can say. Right. <laughs> and the way you did it too, it just sounds so fun. And I know you said you're not going to share what what you created, but I have to tell you, I'm very curious to see it because it just sounds amazing. I might be able to send you a picture okay. of, one of, them, of one of them, not of, of all of them. them. One of them. <laughs> I'm going to tarnish your reputation as an artist. <laughs> no. Oh gosh, no, no. It's it just it was just so goofy, and it was just such a. I, I think it was just that ability because I think we both are because he was a sitcom writer forever and a stand-up comedian mm-hmm. and he's an actor, working actor. And I'm a writer and I consult on TV shows and films and all that. And it, that can get, it's great, but that kind of artistic pursuit can get stressful. Yeah. And and we share a lot of that together. We wrote three pilots over the pandemic and we're out trying to shop those and, and get talent attached. And and that's great. And we loved doing it. But the the business part of it can add an element to the relationship that's not nearly as fun as just dumping a bunch of paint on it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is crazy. What have we done? 
<laughs> I mean, it's great that you can work together like in real business. It's great that you have that kind of relationship, but it's also fun to just let loose and play. Right. And you don't have much of an opportunity to do that in this world, to just giggle and go, this, mm -hmm. is, this is stupid thing we've ever done. What are we doing? <laughs> this is great. Um, and, and so that element of it, um, for me was it ended up being the most important beyond yeah the color and the paints and the that part was fun but the um the element of no pressure and just playing and finding it funny we found a lot of it very funny we tend to find things very funny together but <laughs> um but we found a lot of it um very fun I totally took it as like a bonding experience it was fun that was the goal <laughs> I mean all of these things can be fun bonding experiences and and make you feel like when you're done you conquered the world together a little bit granted it was only a canvas right but you still get that boost right right have all of them been like this do all of them work well or have all of them not i haven't watched all of them there was one episode where the person refused to do the tip <gasps> because it was just was not a good week for her it was you know one of the partners was on the show and his job was to, oh, I think he was supposed to dress her. I think that's the one it was because we had the episode where you're supposed to let your partner dress you. And then the next episode was a different couple and he was supposed to dress his wife for an event. And she was working 12 hour days that week and just, I don't want to do this. And, he said, okay, I'm not going to force you to do something you don't want to do. And so we just had a conversation about that, that you will try things, they won't work. But as long as you go, go at it from the perspective of I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to reach you here. But if this isn't what you want, we're communicating and I'm going to give you what you need. Well, that's, see, that's a beautiful lesson, because I think that's a beautiful lesson for marriages and relationships that you have to listen to the other mm -hmm. partner. And and do what they want to do. I think that was the other thing about this one was I let Mike be in control of this because he's the abstract, because I was, I was the re, the quote unquote real painter. <laughs> um, you know, when I was young um, and he's the abstract artist and it's, it, it's this kind of painting that he really liked. So I did let him, and I tend to take control of our writing. Um, because he's the joke guy and I'm like mm -hmm. the story structure person. Right. So I let him lead. And that was fun where he would go, no, no, go this way this time. Go this yeah. way this time. Go this way this time. Um, and it's good that you know each other's strengths. Like this is your gift. This is mine, you know? Yeah, and you have to listen to each other in all of these things. Goodness. Relationships are not easy. No, okay. they aren't. And that's why I say you need to treat love as a verb. You need to work it. You can't just accept that it's going, you know, expect it to be there if you're not working it. Right. You do. It doesn't sound like that you're worried about that because you, you work together, you play together, you took this very seriously and made it a, bo made it a bonding experience. You didn't say, well, I work in the art industry, so I don't have to actually do the tip. No, you found a way to make it work. Yeah, no, I, but, but we do, but we take our, we do take the dedication to, to working on the marriage and the relationship seriously. Um, which I think is why we've been married for 17 years. 
That's fantastic. So, so I, but I think that's part of why is that we both stop and go, okay, it needs a little, we, we, we I, I need to pay attention to you now, mm-hmm. or I need to let you take the lead now, or I need right. to, whatever that is, whatever that thing is that the other partner needs. It's communication, communicating your needs and listening to your partner's needs. And a whole lot of forgiving the partner. <laughs> a whole lot of just, you know what? That's not that important. That is okay. I love you. It doesn't matter. A whole lot of that. And I think that came out in the, in the, in the painting. Was it was like, <laughs> oh, if it messed up, who cared? Right. It it's a mess, but that's okay. We had fun. That's right. We laughed way too much. We th- then we had then the other part, Tanya. We, we had to clean everything because oh all- yes, <laughs> <laughs> and we were finding like bits of paint, and it was like oh we got to scrape that like on like the counter behind us because it is splattered. There's I- souvenirs from your experience. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. Well, thank you so much for sharing this with us and for just all the work that you do in the community. You. We've learned so much in the past year and a half how important the arts industry is, that we need entertainment. We need people to take us away from the day to day. But we also need really good examples of what it means to be a a dedicated partnership. And I appreciate you sharing that and taking this so seriously and being such an amazing guest. Will you please share your books again and let the audience know where they can find you and how they can support your work? Yeah, so my first novel was Oil and Marble, a novel of Leonardo and Michelangelo. And my second book, which I have with me, is Raphael Painter in Rome. And it comes out on paper in paperback in September uh, of 2021. So it's now available in paperback. Yay. Uh, and you can, you can also get it in Kindle. Oh, in the Kindle, I put in links into the Kindle that hot link out to each artwork as it comes up in the text. That's really cool. So if you like that kind of thing, that's in the Kindle. And then the audio version of this one, the audio, the audible books of both um, were were narrated by the same actor. And the second one won uh, an earphones award, won a big award. So it's, so if you like audio, audiobooks this one is the the audible to get Raphael um and you can get them I don't know anywhere books are sold and if you speak Spanish you can get it in Spanish you can get them Portuguese you can get them in Czech Turkish Russian I don't know all kinds of foreign languages too excellent yeah that's where and did you want to share any of your social media oh yeah uh stephaniestory.com is my website uh, so you can visit me there and join my newsletter if you want updates on movies and events and all that kind of thing. And then on Twitter, um, I'm at S- uh, Story SG. Sorry, my last name is T-O-R-E-Y-S-G. My husband's last name is Gandolfi. So that's the G, where the G comes from. <laughs> Same on Instagram, uh, Story SG. So follow me there. And Facebook is Stephanie Story Author, I think. Yes, Stephanie Story Well, thank you very much for sharing all this again. Thank you for everyone watching and listening. I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I think she's amazing. I have since the day I met her oh so many years ago when she was, she came to Vegas to be a speaker for Henderson Writers Mm -hmm. Group and we just clicked. I thought she was wonderful. And I was 
even too scared to even talk to people back then. But for some reason, I was drawn to her. And I'm so glad that I still know you. I'm getting to watch your amazing journey. Thank you, everyone. Please like, share, and subscribe. And remember, until next time, please treat love as a verb. Thank you.